Hi, everybody. Dion Major here, CEO of Inside Sales by Design, as well as salesclass.ai. And thank you for joining our podcast, Universal Sales Truths. We started this podcast to share stories and journeys of universal sales truths, meaning what was true to forge a relationship with clients in the past uh, it was true in the past and will be true today and will be true tomorrow. And so it's we're bringing guests to you uh, and speakers that have amazing backgrounds and experience to share pieces and parts of their journey and their stories. And we know that you will be inspired and you will learn something and hopefully get some folks to connect with as well and and. Um, broaden your circle and your network because that's what this life and world is all about are the human connections we make at the end of the day. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Universal Sales Truth Podcast. And we hope to hear from you soon. And I know that you're going to leave inspired. Hi, everybody. Dion Major here, CEO of Inside Sales by Design and a little platform called salesclass.ai. And today we are so fortunate to be joined by Mario Martinez. And he's amazing. We are going to have such a great conversation. And thank you again for joining us. And we're going to jump right in. I think everybody knows that's kind of my approach is we're going to jump right in. So Mario, thank you so much for joining us today. Dion, I'm excited to be here with you. Thank you, my friend, for having me. And I'm honored and privileged oh. to be sitting here with you having this podcast. Oh, thank you. Likewise. And so I love Mario and I have known each other for years. We've met through the AISP. So for those of you that aren't familiar, definitely go check out the American Association of Inside Sales Professionals. And man, we have seen each other and known each other for forever at this point. So um, love your speaking and what you say and how you say it and the work that you've done. And so we're again, we're going to dive right into it. So Mario, tell us a little bit about you in your background? Well, uh, so I started out at 19 years old uh, doing software sales. I was actually hired on as a telemarketer, now called SDR, um, <laughs> part-time. And um, I did really well, Dion. I did really well. In fact, after six months, they asked me to come on board full-time, even though I was going to school at Cal full-time. Uh, for every 10 leads I turned over, about four of them turned into opportunities. So that was a really high ratio in comparison to the other folks. Turns out um, I had a knack and uh, I went into a junior account executive position. My first year made President's Club, then got promoted again. And by the age of 21, I said, why am I even going to college? I'm already making six figures. This is outrageous. So um, I made a change in my life and decided to, to drop out of Cal, Berkeley. Oh, wow. And uh, I, that was my fifth year there. And I made a change. I actually regret that decision, um, and I ended up going back years later to St. Mary's College and finished my degree. Um, I had a boss who basically, uh, after three years of telling me that you should, you should, you should, finally the third year, he basically um, said, you will, and the company is going to pay for it, and if you don't, you won't um, be able to pass your annual merit review. Uh, so it was interesting because he forced me, um, and I didn't like the, his decision then because I had no intentions of going back, especially yeah. with the money that I was making, but it was the right decision. And basically he said is I'm going to save your career for you. Yeah. And he said, all things being equal, 
there are a lot of other amazing salespeople just like you. And when you're up against somebody else, degree versus no degree, I promise you, they'll pick the degree. Uh, and it was interesting, like, you know, like wide awakening there. Um, but I was making such great money that I, and they were going to pay for it. I'm like, well, why not? So any case, so I took that and, uh, but all the way now, fast forward, I spend time in consulting. I spend time in software. I spend time in um, infrastructure as a service. I spend time in telecommunications and um, now professional services. I'm starting my own company. My last stop um, uh, was uh, a VP of sales for a software collaboration company. So born and raised, all in sales, uh, have been in every segment from small biz to public sector, federal to global accounts. And that was one of my last stops, just managing about $300 million a year in business and growing that. And uh, one of my funnest times in my career was closing out uh, $50 million, $30 million, and $120 million contracts. So those were, those were fun times. Amazing. What did you do to celebrate that win, some of those wins? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, um, the, the, there is a story behind one of the uh, contracts that we signed, and it was uh, a $40-plus million contract. Um, it wasn't a matter of celebration um, after we signed it. It was I had to sign it in order to keep my job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a celebration. It was a phew. Yeah, 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 exactly. But but the, it, it wasn't a hue because I was like I was resting my laurels on like if I don't close this, I'm going to get fired because I'm not hitting I'm not hitting quota. It was because what I did to get the deal done, uh, I had to go around two um, uh, leaders. And uh, it was one of those conversations where your EVP pulls you into the room and screams and yells at you off the record in your face um, with spit flying out of the mouth and says, I will fire you next time you go around me like this. Uh, and it was one of those conversations where it says, you'll be looking me and saying, thank, looking at me saying, thank you for going around me when I close this deal. And I walked out, I walked, that's how I walked off the conversation. I mean, he was fuming mad. And I, of course I was mad, right? I'm a, I'm a grown man. You're yelling at me. Right. Uh, he was fuming mad. And I just walked away right from there, exited the room. And I thought, oh God, I better close this deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Otherwise. Otherwise yeah. I will be fired. He will find a way to fire me. Yeah. Um, but I did, I went around, I went around him uh, and I went to the president of sales directly and basically told on him and the, and the, uh, um, our executive vice president of finance, uh, and, uh, who was blocking the deal. Um, and I did it in such a way that it wouldn't be, I, I could totally claim plausible deniability. And, um, I, I, it was one of those passing the hallway moments where you're timing it exactly right. You're like, when does he take his break? When is he going to the bathroom? I'm going to follow him into the bathroom and we're going to have a conversation at the urinal. <laughs> Whatever works, man. Whatever. Whatever works. So we did win that deal. Wow. So that's really interesting that, you know, there were times when our leaders could yell at us like that. And I'm assuming it still goes on. Let's not be naive, right? Of but course, it, it of course absolutely. A little bit more. Um, I think there used to be. Everybody used to be okay with it a little bit more. I I think now, um, if uh, this is going to sound super chauvinistic, so bear with me here. Um, <laughs> when you're dealing amongst men, uh, yeah. I I think it's probably a lot more common than anything. Yeah. Um, and when you're certainly dealing with a, a female, male, female. 
I think it's a lot less common, but you know the body language, even virtually. <laughs> yes, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. And, and again, at the risk of sparking some controversy, I think from a wiring perspective, from a biological perspective, there's some wiring that goes in male and female um, and just different neural pathways. However, I think there are cross-functional characteristic traits that come to bear as well, right? So for example, I was raised with my dad and my brothers and we've got a military background and stuff. So I'm very used to direct, <laughs> do this or else right. communication style. And now whether that communication style comes from a male or female doesn't really matter, right? And so I think there's a, there's a way to, what, what we're just talking about now is communication style, For right? Sure. And so I think it's, it's, the other facet to that is the self-awareness of that says, hey, how, what type of environment do I function well in? Is it the soft-spoken, so on and so, you know what I mean, versus this very direct, not necessarily aggressive, but kind of proactive, like, hey, man, we're here to do a job and we have things to do, so get after it, or, you know, we're going to have a separate conversation that revolves around accountability, well, make no mistake about it. I think a lot of people interpret direct communication as aggressive. Agreed. Um, and uh, that that is my style, um, both at, at home as well as at work. And I get in trouble for it all the time. And it's certainly something that I have gotten in trouble for many a times. In fact, it's one of my aha moments uh, that we'll talk about. We'll talk about later on. Yeah. But you know, when you think about this style of communication, it's almost something. It's very weird because internally it's like boom, 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 the customer. Now I'm seeking to understand, I'm trying to communicate. And sometimes you have to be, you know, go direct. No, that's not possible. Or no, I don't agree with that because, um, and, and that it, it can be helpful. It can be a blessing and it can be a curse. Uh, yeah. and it depends on, on the recipient and how they take it. But generally, if you say a direct approach, which is no, that's not acceptable. We cannot do that. And you do it with a smile <laughs> versus, no, that's not acceptable. And yeah. we will not do that. <laughs> it's very different. So it's almost like communication style plus approach plus delivery. Exactly. Right. At the end of the day. So so that's a, a good segue into talk a little bit about your two to three aha moments for yourself, those pivotal moments in your career where, I mean, you think back to me, you're like, yeah, that was a that was a landmark moment. Um, I'll take you back to my <clears throat> favorite sales manager of all time, still a very good friend of mine, loved her to death. And um, there, there's actually, uh, well, let me, let me actually rewind a little further. There, there's two moments in time that I can think of. Uh, and one was when I got promoted from um, the junior account executive to the account executive role back when I was 21 years old. Yeah. And I had a, a, a gal, her name was Marsha Jepson. Um, she was a beast. Uh, she was amazing on the phone. She was a closer. She was like just sharp as anything. And I looked up to her and she ended up getting a promotion. Now, um, at that time, I was super excited for her. And when she got that promotion, she fought to get me off of one team and to bring me on to hers. She horse traded, right? So she was trading people out. She gave up two of her great guys to get me on her team because she just saw like potential. And so um, I was young. Uh, I was making great money and I thought I knew everything at 21 years old. And I, I didn't have any business being inside this environment, quite frankly, because the next oldest person was like 28 years yeah. old. Right. Um, and so there was, there, there's a big maturity gap. Yeah. 
Um, so got onto this team and sit down, we come up with a plan. I get the East coast territory. It was Ohio, West Virginia. And I forget what the Mm -hmm. other state was. It was like three States. So, um, I start dating, uh, someone and of course, um, Ohio, West Virginia is all East coast, but I live in the West coast. And this time it was all inside sales, right? We were doing everything remotely. So I start kept rolling in at like nine, nine thirty in the morning, you know, t- to do my job. And I would stay until six, six thirty, <clears throat> sometimes even seven. And the problem was, is I was calling on East Coast territory. So by the time that I actually sat down at my desk, it was already noontime, right? Over, yeah. And she was like, I'm not having it. So then I was like, I don't care if you're having it because I know what I'm doing. And here I am. I can do what I'm gonna do and I know how to manage my territory. And she was like, no, you're not going to do it that way. This is not the method to success. And so we all of a sudden turned from, you know, total admiration to total, you know, just like clashing. And then I remember um, she ended up calling in human resources and um, uh, human resources was in the office and we started having a conversation and I was getting, I was getting hot, right? I'm just getting upset, irritated. And I was like, fine, I quit then. She was like, okay, thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) And so I quit. And um, I didn't talk to her for, uh, let's see, 22 years later. Oh, my goodness. 22 years later. And that was a few years ago. So um, a few years ago, we had about five, five or six years ago, we had connected on LinkedIn. And then periodically over the course of a few years, she just was liking my stuff and she saw what I was doing in terms of opening my company. And then one day I was on a podcast and someone asked me this very question, like what, how, how did, who shaped your sales career? Yeah. And I told the story about Marshall Jepson. And on that podcast, a few years ago, I finally said for the first time, and I was like 40, 41 years old, right? Uh, I found 42 years old. I finally said, I was totally wrong. Mm-hmm. And Marsha was totally right. Yeah. And, and so I, they published it and I sent it over to her and um, uh, she just smiled. And then I said, I want to do lunch with you. Yeah. And the first thing I did when I, I gave her a big hug and I sat down with her and I said, before you say anything, let me go first. Oh. For 20 something years, I have not called you or talked to you because I was angry at you, but I was 100% wrong. And I said, and now leading my own company, I see these same behaviors in some of the younger generation that we're hiring that they're just kind of waltzing in kind of casually. And it's like, are you kidding me? It's eight o'clock and you're now just coming in Pacific time to call on 11 o'clock territory. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, East Coast or Central Territory. It's not going to work. And so that was a big aha moment where, you know, essentially something that I thought was very wrong for a very long period of time in terms of how she dealt with it. And, you know, and frankly, how she dealt with it is exactly how I probably would have done it. Right. Mm-hmm. Some, some schmuck thought he knew better than the sales manager um, calling on a territory and rolling in at nine, nine 30 was totally egocentric, totally arrogant. And I would have handled the exact same way. Mm-hmm. So that to me was an aha moment that, you know, it now is kind of like those things in life where your parents are like your grand, the grandparents are now sitting in their bed laughing and they're like, yeah, remember when you did that to me, ha, it's happening to you. Right. So that's exactly so the, the, the second time though, the second aha moment, um, came as a direct result of the same exact problem, right? Mm. The same exact problem. And my favorite, favorite all-time manager ever uh, was a, a woman by the name of Lynn Pinchek. And she was an amazing sales manager, an amazing friend, an amazing individual. 
Um, and one of my problems, Dion, that I had was the direct approach. Mm. And believe it or not, when you worked for, in this case, I worked for a big um, corporate uh, um, Fortune 100 company. It was an extremely Kansas City, very safe, very conservative type of culture. And so I was there for uh, basically, uh, I was part of a startup that they had funded for four years and then 10 years at the mothership. So 14 years total. And month, quarter, year, whatever it is, after year, after quarter, after month, I would constantly be getting escalations and somehow HR would be being pulled in. And, and, and everybody couldn't figure out like, why had they not fired this guy? Me, me, that guy. And, um, essentially what it was is I was a top performer, right? Out of 18 corporate years in sales, 15 of them were spent in president's club or hundred percent club. Right. So just a solid performer year over year. But I basically was a bull in the China shop to the customer. They loved me. I even had the uh, um, um, McKesson, which is a that was then a Fortune 16 company, now a Fortune Think Four. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the the global CIO, who was a direct report to the CEO, John Hammergren, wrote multiple letters of recommendation, very detailed. He came to my wedding. We used to go to dinner together, right? He kept and finally one day he called up my VP and said, "I keep writing these letters of recommendation. I don't understand why you're not accepting and promoting this guy. He's amazing." And uh, turns out my problem was not external branding. It was the internal branding. And I was that bull in the China shop that the guy who basically was like, um, I need you to say yes to this. And if you say no, I'm going to escalate. <laughs> this is like, I'm going to get in way no matter what. So just do it now and you don't have to like it. That's exactly right. It's my way or no way. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, Mario. Yeah. And you know what? I think we all have had some of those moments, but uh, probably not harder to get things done for sure internally. Well, well, Lynn, Lynn, um, one day she called me up and I knew exactly when I saw her phone number, what was going to happen because I knew, uh, the day before I had just ripped someone to shreds, um, an internal uh, team member for not doing their job. And of course they escalated the manager. The manager went to human resources, human resources came back to my boss. Um, and, uh, Lynn called me up and she said, I answered the phone. I said, Hey Lynn. She said, don't hate me. <laughs> so no, here I was like, then. I was like, I already knew I was going to be in trouble because I knew it was, I knew it was going to come back to me. Yeah. She said, "Don't hate me," and she said, um, "We need to talk." And I said, "Okay." She said, "I don't want to hear your your answer. I don't want to hear your reasons. I don't want to hear you say anything. You need to hear what I'm about to tell you, and if you don't, I will fire your ass right now." Are we clear right now? Do you know what you're supposed to do right now? Acknowledge like, this moment. <laughs> and I was like, yes, mommy. <laughs> and so, and by the way, if you know Lynn, she wasn't a cusser. She wasn't a swearer. Um, she never led with an iron fist ever. I loved her to death. She was a brilliant woman, a brilliant salesperson, and a brilliant manager. And she basically said, uh, for the last time, I have had it. I'm not going to do it anymore. I have protected you for years and I will no longer do it anymore. This is your last and final warning. If you ever 
get another escalation from human resources, I will fire you. Yeah. And I said, well, you have to, she said, shut up, shut your mouth right now. And I was like, uh, um, wow. okay. <laughs> and she said, yeah. and I don't care if you tell HR because yeah. they want to fire you in the first place. Yeah. Right. So yeah. shut up and listen to me right now. Yeah. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. Whatever you did was wrong because you sent that person crying. They went to their manager. They went to HR. And that is why HR is here. And yeah. at the end of this end of the day, this is the end of the discussion. I'm not going to do it anymore. I won't protect you. I'm done because you know what's happening to me. Yeah. Everybody keeps wondering, why do I keep protecting you? And they think that you've got pictures on me or something. And I'm not going to tolerate it. <laughs> yeah, you know, Mario, those are the lessons learned, right? I mean, our behavior impacts other people. None of us are an island unto ourselves. And there's always an effect, right? I was just on a call earlier today. And the laws of physics never change. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, good or bad. Yeah. And so I think that's an amazing pivotal moment. So what did you do with those two things? How did that impact you? How did, you, how did it make you change your thought process and behavior? Well, that was honestly one of the reasons why <clears throat> I was not being promoted, right? So here I was a top performer, um, hundreds of millions of dollars, closing big giant contracts for the company, um, <clears throat> making things happen. Customers love me but the internal brand was completely broken. So it took me another four more years after that um, to actually get into a leadership role. Yeah. And um, even when they did the leadership role, um, they put me in, in, in the public sector federal space uh, and uh, tried to contain, you know, yeah. uh, contain me somehow, some way. Um, and they wanted to you know, see what would happen. And turns out, <clears throat> just like I had done in every other past life and, and every other role, I was found to be the, the turnaround guy. Yeah. So even though I had this super direct approach, the super direct approach worked really well when working with an underperforming um, organization, yeah. team, region, whatever it might be. And so I kept, I kept getting moved from region to region, group to group, team to team to, to, do, the, to do the turnaround. Yeah. And so it was a blessing and a curse, right? Yeah. My style. <clears throat> and what I had to learn was, is um, as, a, as a salesperson, I could influence a customer. I could get them to do whatever it is that we wanted them to do. I could negotiate with them and do win-win scenarios, but I couldn't do it internally. Mm, yeah. And, and that was because I looked at everybody saying, you have to do it this way because the customer said. Right. And that partially is true, right? In many cases, yeah. many cases. But... Wouldn't it be better for someone to say, I'm doing it because I want to help you? Right. And so that was really difficult. Um, and Lynn taught me basically, well, well the, the lesson that I learned there was I had no longer an option. It was no longer an option. And if I wanted to have this amazing lifestyle that I had, making the money that I, ha I wanted to make, I had to learn how to be able to uh, fight that. So um, I started a process where basically when I got really, really angry, I told people, you know, you know what, I need to get off the phone right now because I'm about to say something that's going to get me in trouble. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would tell people that. And then I would get off the phone and then I call up my boss and I'd be like, I'm furious because, and then she'd be like, let me help you. I'd be like, okay. And she'd, so she'd take over from there. She'd go fix the problem. We thought, believe it or not, if you do our disc profile assessment, yeah, we sat next to each other during our disc class. 
And she was the exact same number on D, I, S, and C. But we were carbon copies of each other. The only thing that she had was finesse, and I didn't. <laughs> there is no F in this. But yes. <laughs> so. So, exactly. So, so that was really important in terms of learning and adjusting as a sales leader and as a salesperson um, was getting people to try to come around to your side. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't use the direct approach and I'm not saying we, sh- we shouldn't be able to express when we're frustrated or irritated. Um, yeah. and, uh, and sometimes people still today, even in my own organization, um, have a fear that they're going to send me something and I'll be like, no, this is not okay, right? Um, and so that's still something that I work on um, in inside the organization every single day, um, just probably because of the way I was wired since since birth, right? Um, and the social cues that I learned growing up. Yep. yep, absolutely. And I think that's really important too, Mario, is is the self awareness, right? We all have a thing, and we're all wired a certain way. And so, but there's there's beauty in being able to look at some of these moments and go okay, how, if I'm wired this way, and I know that these are my actions and reactions to things, how do I use those appropriately to, to do a good job, to do a great job, to forge relationships? Because, you know, this is not a new concept. We are in the human capital world and everything is about relationships. And, um, it's funny, you know, cause the, the phrase I hear a lot is when we do something wrong, we want grace and forgiveness, but when somebody else does something wrong, we want them hanged and quartered immediately. Right? Exactly. Where's the justice. <laughs> and so when we think about this is being able to say, okay, what do we do? How do we do it? Um, what is a communication style? How do we use it appropriately? What does that look like? And then I think the other half of the point though, too, is there's still accountability, I can have a soft approach. I can have a direct approach, but at the end of the day, things still have to get done. Yeah. And so to your point, you know, we, a lot of the coaching that I do with folks is, and and from a leadership perspective is talking about, make sure you've identified the, what, what is the North star? What do you want to accomplish? The how is really coaching folks into and around that how, because people are going to have a direct approach. They're going to have a softer approach. They're going to ask questions, right? Everybody has a different skill set and a different approach and wired differently. So how do we identify that what and shepherd and guide our teams to operate within that system, if you will? So that's really, really impactful and powerful and self-awareness that says, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know about you, but with my teams and my kids, they're like, oh, mom, you got that look on your face or Dion, you have that look on your face, right? And it's like, oh, shoot, sorry. I'm just, and it's one of those things where like, hey, I didn't mean to, to have that reaction cause a ripple effect. Here's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah. And so there's this level of awareness identifying that emotional component verbally and then being able to move it forward. So it sounds like that's the work in progress for you, those pivotal moments. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and and then fast forward into even in my own business now, right? Where <clears throat> I'm six years on, out of my own, um, and, or sorry, five years out of my own, we're, almost, we're, we're going on six okay. and, and, uh, and four of those years have been spent with working with, with, uh, partners. When we formed Vangresso, we had, you know, seven people come together and, you know, it's interesting as you form a business, um, there's one thing to hire, you know, an executive and then be able to terminate an executive because for non-performance is another thing when you actually have a partner in the yeah. firm that has ownership stake and investment in the firm. Right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, what I learned even taking all those learning lessons to fast forward to now is um, not everybody 
is going to be a good match. That's for darn sure. But assuming that you are not a good match, you try your best to be able to work through things. And when you can't, we always just easily go back to what's the letter of the law, right? And and in it, that's one of the things that Lynn taught me as well is like, you're, you may be justified in your expression of how to have of being upset, yes. but what is the letter of the law mm-hmm. tell you that you are allowed to do and not allowed to do? Here's the HR book. The HR book says thou shall not, yeah. you cannot, you yeah. right. And there's no ambiguity here. And no. so same thing with contracts. Yep. We write contracts for a reason with customers yep. and Can we be flexible? Can we let things happen? Yes. But when it becomes a consistent problem or now it's getting to the point where you have a disagreement, that's why you pull out the contract and say, what does the contract say? Um, And, you know, what I've learned is, is that um, even when you're trying, when you want to be liked by everyone, as you grow into an organization and as you get to the higher levels, I've struggled really hard with not being liked by everyone. Yes. And it's kind of one of those things as a human, you want to be liked. You don't want someone to say, oh, yeah, you know that Mario guy, right? Yeah, he's a total jerk, total pill. Because at the end of the day, if you didn't perform, uh, and another case in point is, you know, partners or or, or um, uh, vendors, yeah. if you're not performing and you didn't do what you said you did, I'm not going to fight with you about it. No, what no. does the letter of the law say? 100%. And unfortunately, I've had to learn my, I would say my, my third aha moment is that I cannot be liked by everyone, especially when you're the CEO of a company. Yeah. And you try to make decisions that you hope will make the, the global benefit and impact. But I can assure you, whether there be partners that have left the firm, um, employees that have left the firm, and they didn't understand why they were being terminated, they didn't see it, or even vendors that we have worked with um, that said that they would do something and they totally didn't perform and we had to cut off that relationship. And these are people that you respected, that you knew, that you, you know, and it's very hard because it becomes very personal, right? And that's really difficult to be able to handle. Um, and so that's why I always, I realized now, uh, I made a rule a couple of years back, a few years back, that there was um, uh, opportunities for making exceptions. Yeah. But when it became to the point that now you cannot see the trees for the forest and it's going to negatively impact the company, we just simply look at the letter of the law. Yes. And that's where I've now come to in, in my in my in my career um, is um, there's human, and that should be always thought of first. Human mm-hmm. to human, how can I help? How can we win? What can we give? Mm-hmm. And then there's company. Yeah. And if we do something here that affects company, or that creates a pattern, or that creates a precedent, then we also have to look at letter of the law, and we have to think about those things. And in past lives. Well, in VP status, I get to, I got to say, well, yeah, as I was talking to the big guy upstairs, right. Or the big gal upstairs, uh, you know, this is what came down Yeah. and now I'm at the top and I can't say this is what came down because this is what's coming. (laughs) No, you cannot. Right. And, and that's, I think too, is how do we make decisions and what does that look like? And do we have kind of regular touch points with our team and are we setting up 
um, some of those discussions, be, the discussions that say, hey, you know what, at some point things are going to go sideways and we're going to rub each other the wrong way or something's going to break. What do we do? How do we handle conflict? Right. And to your point, we want to handle it from a human capacity because everybody has a way that they deal with conflict. Some folks get angry. Some folks cry. Some people avoid it. Um, some people don't want to deal with it. Right. And then you've got the other half of the point on the contract side that says there was a, there was a slip up here. Yeah. So we have to be able to identify it. And so it's it's that kind of that harmonization and coming together of, of all of that at the end of the day that I think that's a lot of what I'm hearing in this conversation is recognizing communication style and approaches and directness and um, delivery and um, being able to kind of mash up and look at the human element as well as the deliverables at the end of the day that we're all responsible for delivering, whether you're a kid doing homework, CEO of a company or somewhere in between, you know, we have work that needs to ship and how, how do we do that well from a, you know, super quantitative perspective but then wrap around the human piece as well. I think that's that's the the sixty four million dollar question at the end of the day. Well, and I think a lot of salespeople and leaders can't mistake trying. Yeah. Uh, no, not what. Let me let me let me rephrase this. They cannot um, confuse trying for non performance. Correct. And, and there may be extenuating circumstances. There, there could be things that could prevent you from non-performance, but at the end of the, like, you know, I, I go back to it. We, we had a partner um, that we um, recently had and um, somebody that I very much respected in, in the industry. <clears throat> we did a big promo program with them, spent thousands of dollars on getting promo, expecting to get um, thousands of leads. And it was a total flop. Oh man. Uh, it was the worst program that could have ever been initiated <clears throat> And after um, the first four weeks, we said, we're having a problem. Yeah. Uh, then we met. Uh, then they said, well, I'm trying. I mean, I'm just a pr- one person. I'm doing my best. That's fine. But we still need to get to a point where we're going to deliver on these numbers. And what's your plan to fix this? All right. We get the get well plan and we work on that for four weeks. It's still not working. We get back together. And now you start saying it's my fault. I was like, uh, no, uh, this is what you said you would deliver. You have not shown me the proof that you have. Um, and so now it became a very contentious situation where because now it's their individual, this is their baby, this is what they're delivering. And it was just like, no, yeah. it's in this case, it's black and white. And you're now you're getting way too emotionally in, in, in engaged in that. And I think that's the struggle that we, we have, especially salespeople, right? We're trying to hit quota. We're trying to make those calls. We're trying to reach out and book meetings. We're trying to close our deals. We're trying to do the training. But yet we aren't performing. Right. And so we can't mistake try for the data. 100%. Are there things that contribute to the trying that may not be creating the right data? Yes, you may have a horrible product. You may uh, um, uh, uh, not be able to do it because you're a bad salesperson. You may have other things that are impacting, like you know, your CEO just told uh, said some quote, and now it's all over the social media, and you know, it, everybody thinks your company is a horrible company, right? Like so, like there may be all kinds of things that are that create these situations. And in such cases, you have to, as a salesperson, you know, take your leave and figure out, you know, what the right thing to do is. But at the end of the day, we cannot mistake trying for the data. And the data says you're not performing. That means you're not performing, which means that you need to do something differently to be able to perform. 
Uh, and that's really tough. Um, and especially, you know, as I look at it from a perspective of now leading sales or people and organizations as well, um, and having been a top performer myself, one of the things that I always worked on is held my health, held myself to the highest level of standards. One of the things I love about sales is that I can impact anything that I want to do. If I want to buy my BMW convertible, which I did when I was 21 years old, pay cash for it, which I did, I can do that. If I want to buy my first house, which I did at 22 years old, to go buy that first house, put down $50,000 as a down payment, which I did, I can do that. And so what we have to recognize when we, when we love something so much that we are going to constantly do the right things to make sure that we're going to hit that number. And if we're not hitting that number, if we're not getting to the goal that we want, then we've got to change up mm-hmm. what it is that we're doing. And that's really difficult for sometimes because we get so caught up in, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but you can't see what are the things that you need to fix or do differently to be able to get to the point that you want to get to. Right. Yeah. Hopefully that made sense. Yeah, it, it really does. It really does. And I think there's there's value in that. And, and that's where I think having a buddy system, mentor, coach, accountability partner, a manager that isn't going to club you over the head for not making your numbers. And there's a time and a place for that. Right. But it's, you want to start with, Hey, here's, here's what we're noticing from a data perspective. I mean, we're on the hook for a number and that's, that's it. At the end of the day, we have to deliver and everybody else does too. However, I think from a sales perspective, it's, it's a little bit different and it's a different perspective, a different slant. And there needs to be a variety of methods with which we approach our people and our teams and our leaders at the end of the day. Cause again, one size doesn't fit all we're dealing with humans. So yeah. I agree with you, Mario on that. And so I think the other, the other thing I, I kind of hear you you're saying is a sense of resiliency as well. So if I could use that word to Today, can you say more about that one? Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's a really, really important word, um, and we have to be super resilient when we're inside of sales. Yeah, I'll just I'll, let me rewind and say, you know, look, we do five percent of the world's population takes on the role of selling, meaning we pay our mortgage, we pay our car, we have all of our kids' healthcare benefits, our kids' college uh, retirement is all based upon one thing us actually performing mm-hmm. 95% of everybody else doesn't want that type of role. They don't want that pressure, right? They want their, they want eight to five and they want them to know that they're going to get paid X, Y, Z. If they do, um, you know, um, ABC, uh, they don't want to have everything resting off of what they do, uh, um, uh, from a performance standpoint and from, you know, just thinking about the resilience standpoint, it, it is, if you think, if you really took it, a step back and said, what is the role of a seller? What is the role of a sales leader? Look, nothing happens until someone sells something. Mm-hmm. So if you don't sell, you are not going to pay for Johnny in accounting who's going to get your payroll check, yeah. his payroll to pay you. If you don't sell, you're not going to pay Susie's check for who's helping implement your customers that you sell 
because you didn't perform. And this is hard, right? So there's a, there's a lot of resilience that needs to go into this. And also, as you get higher into the leadership ranks, as I mentioned earlier, I've had partners in the firm that we've had to exit from the firm. Yeah. That's difficult because you have an emotional friendship with those individuals. And it's very hard for them to see that once they come on to my side and no longer the company side, it's very hard for them to see two sides of, of, of the story here. And that is why, you know, you've got to, you know, follow that letter of, there's always that letter of the law. And as you go higher and higher and higher, the buck begins at some point to stop only at you. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's a big difference between being an employee where you're used to operating within a system and you operate within versus being responsible for a team, a department, a division, a company, right? Then now you're looking at it holistically and it's responsible for, and it's, it's a very different mindset. Um, and it's a different way of thinking about things, right? Because the more, you know, it's, 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 you, you have more to manage at the end of the day as well. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. There's definitely, there's a lot to go on from a mental processing perspective and different pieces to take into consideration. Well, and I'll tell you this one, like, uh, one, one of our sales team in the West, they, um, closed out two deals in two days, uh, and, um, uh, did a really great job in closing these deals out. So we get on our Friday calls. That was Thursday. They closed Wednesday and Thursday. They closed these two contracts out and it roughly equaled about 60% of their, of their number for the month. So, um, in that call, we're like, hey, congratulations. Did everybody hear about the, the two new contracts? Um, awesome job. It was worth X dollars. And, and um, guys, keep up the great work. Um, tell us about that win. So they say for a few minutes what they did. Blah, blah, blah. Great. Now let's move on to the next thing, guys. Um, Wes, what else are you going to bring in? And, and, and the sales leader goes, well, that was short-lived. Uh, T minus four minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of crazy. That's what it's like in sales, right? Like you're only as good as what you sold a second ago. Uh, and mm -hmm. everybody's always asking what else is next, right? Same thing with leadership, right? Um, yep. As you mm -hmm. get into an organization and as you move up in an organization, you've got to be extremely resilient because you're going to deal with challenging people, both internally and externally. You're going to deal with challenging problems, um, both internally and also still balancing everything at home uh, that you've got to deal with. And um, you know, when you get to, um, as an example, a CEO of a company, even though I've only got 30 people in the company, what people don't understand is that every night I go to bed thinking not about 30 people. I'm thinking about the 60 to 90 people that, that frankly are under my care. What mm -hmm. does that mean? The husband or the wife, the mm -hmm. children that may be impacted. One wrong decision could tank the company. One great decision could catapult the company. So you're only one decision away. And sometimes you make bad decisions, but you got to be resilient to bounce back and be able to fix it, yeah. course correct, or, 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 or market chalk it up as a mistake and learn from that particular mistake and never do it again, right? Um, and that's very difficult. And I think salespeople, the same thing. Sometimes we even lose deals in the sales process. Yeah. And we think back, why did I lose this deal? And then you look at it and you're like, oh my God, I was never even talking to the budget owner. Right. Right. No wonder why I lost it because that person had a totally different perspective of what they were going to do when, where, how, why. 
So, you know, those are some of the things that I think that are just super important, you know, in terms of sales resilience and leadership resilience as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if you had to call out for today, as of right now, one universal sales truth, what would that be? Hmm. Uh, I would say the one universal sales truth um, is something that I'm pretty passionate about. And that is um, if we were to look at what is sales and answer that question, what is sales? What do I do as a seller? What do I do as a sales leader? Sales is the art of helping. So as you engage in any one of your opportunities with any customer that you're working with, the question you have to ask yourself is, how am I helping them? And if you can answer that question of how you are helping that individual or that company or that group or that team or that whatever it might be, how you're helping them, then essentially you know that you are solving a problem. And when you can solve that problem, you are helping people and that's how you forge relationships. So sales is the art of helping. Um, and I think that's a universal truth, no matter what it is. If you're buying something on um, uh, at the retail store or you're buying something online, did the product help you? Or if you're buying a B2B service that is a you know multi-million or billion dollar contract, did it help, right? And how are you helping? So I would argue that sales is the art of helping. That is the one universal truth that I think exists with sales. I agree a bajillion percent with that, Mario, for sure. Because, uh, yeah, we've all been on the receiving end of those different approaches, right? The person that's there to help us and answer our questions and help us kind of connect the dots at the end of the day. And the one that is just there to take our order like the McDonald's drive through So yeah. we all prefer the, the one that's helping us connect the dots for sure. Um, so, Mario, thank you so much for joining us today. How can folks get in touch with you? What's the best way? Well, first, uh, I would say go to vengresso.com with one S, V-E-N-G-R-E-S-O. And uh, our focus is all around helping sales um, uh, teams and um, individuals be able to create more sales conversations and grow their sales pipeline through digital sales skills training. Um, and we launched our first piece of technology, Fly Message, which is a speed writing for sales tool. So I, you, I think you'll love it. Uh, so go there. And um, that's flymessage.io. And then the last thing is, is, hey, if you're going to connect with me on LinkedIn, please, dear Lord, tell me that you heard me on Dion's podcast. Um, let me know how you heard, how you heard about this, and I'll be happy to connect with you. Yes, absolutely. So I didn't know you launched Fly Message. So thank you. I've learned something new today. I will definitely check it out. Yeah, writing uh, writing good, effective messages is key these days. So Mario, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody, like Mario said, check out the website, go to flymessage.io and connect with him on LinkedIn. Personalize that, please. Uh, LinkedIn has become the new spam canon, unfortunately, for so many folks. So uh, again, Mario, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Make sure you're subscribed so you can get the get notified when the podcast come out. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Universal Sales Truth Podcast. Uh, please make sure that you subscribe to our podcast so you're notified of updates. You can also find this content on the Inside Sales by Design YouTube channel. Uh, so make sure you take a look at that. It'll also be in the salesclass.ai platform for you and your teams. And please make sure to reach out and connect with myself and the speaker you heard today individually. We look forward to seeing you again soon and contact us if there's anything you specifically want to hear or know about. Thank you so much and enjoy your day.